0: Welcome to the How to Health podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marvis, and today I'm honored to have Dr. Andy Sadeghi. How are you today?
1: I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, well, thank you for taking the time out of your day to t- tell us your amazing story and also what you do as a specialist, as a gastroenterologist. I mean, there's so much information here. I just can't wait to pry out of your, your brain. But, <laughs> let's get, but I want to hear about your story because I know that was life-changing and life-altering for you and how you came about it was almost happenstance. So can you just kind of tell us a little bit about your story and how you came to a plant-based diet or even medicine in general?
1: Absolutely. You know, um, Laurie, about four years ago, I was um, extremely ill. And people who know me, they know that I was um, suffering from debilitating eczema. I had pustules on the palms of my hands all over my body. And uh, since I was um, very, very young, I think I was 13 um, uh, when I got diagnosed with eczema, I had been applying all kinds of corticosteroids on my my skin um, every single night. I had to medicate myself to sleep with Benadryl every single night, Um, otherwise I'd be itching all night. I probably got poor quality of sleep um, most of my life because of that eczema. I had been to several different doctors, and um, all I would get is either prednisone pills, um, or uh, prednisone, or corticosteroid creams, or um, Atarax, which is uh, a a medication for um, itching, and Benadryl. So that was my routine every single day. And of course, I was embarrassed to shake people's hands because of my pustules, because even though I would uh, put the corticosteroid creams, it would still come back. Uh, Besides the skin problems, which were quite embarrassing, I was um, overweight and my cholesterol was high. Um, And I remember when my OBGYN, uh, when I was uh, pregnant with my son, when she told me that my cholesterol was high, I was shocked. But then I was like, well, I guess it's genetic because my father went on cholesterol medicines when he was 40. And I thought, well, I'm right around the corner from that. And I guess, you know, I got his bad genetics. What can I do about that, you know? And um, I was eating the standard American diet, thinking I'm doing everything right, you know. And uh, so then the other issue was that I was extremely tired. Um, Every morning, I would have to force myself out of bed. And I felt like I was hit by a Mack truck. I was so exhausted and tired. And I would say borderline depressed because, and people who know me right now, they'd be like, what? You were depressed? And it's like hard to believe. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I would never kill myself. However, if I, like, just didn't wake up one day, it would be okay kind of type of a life. And so I just was dragging myself to work every day. And literally, I would, uh, after, like, um, a little bit of a drive, like, 17-mile drive to USC where I was doing my residency, I would actually have to sleep in the car for a half hour before I could get out of the car and go to work because I would be exhausted from that 17-mile drive. And so I thought, well, it's just the pressures of residency. I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I never thought in a billion years that all of these problems could have anything to do with my diet. And, um, and at the time, I was um, basically actually a vegetarian. I'd given up eating meat for several years for moral reasons. But um, I didn't know the uh, bad effects and the um, side effects of eating dairy. Um, and so I was eating a lot of cheese because I was one of those vegetarians who substituted a lot of uh, cheese and other animal products um, to compensate for my protein. Because at that point, I like had very little knowledge of nutrition. So I was at a conference one day, um, my brother's uh, conference, it's called the Titanium Success. And while he was on stage, he, it was May, 2014, he said something about, well, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, What are you doing drinking milk and eating cheese people um it's just like a block of fat and uh, cheese is just a block of fat and uh, milk is just sugar water and fat so you know if you're trying to lose weight just saying you may not want to eat all that stuff and i thought well i was overweight and i wanted to lose weight and i thought oh my gosh i need to stop eating this stuff And um, that same day, at the end of the seminar, I was talking to my cousin, who's a vegan, who's a musician in Hollywood. Her name is Massa. Masa, uh, I was like, hey, Massa, I'm so glad, you know, um, you told me th- several years ago that you went um, vegan, I've been vegetarian, and you know, uh, you motivated me because I've, I haven't been eating animals for so many years. She's like, She's, she said, well, you know, to be honest with you, if you really wanna do it for moral reasons, uh, you shouldn't be eating dairy because the dairy industry is far worse, cruel, far more cruel to the animals than the meat industry. So I thought, hmm, here I am sick, I wanna lose weight, and uh, I was uh, not eating meat for moral reasons and I can't eat dairy for moral reasons either so then that day I went full plant-based and I didn't even know what it's called I went vegan because I didn't know that there's such such thing as a whole food plant-based diet but at the very end of her sentence she said the most important thing that I could have heard she says you know um as a doctor you should really check out forks over knives I was like What's that? She said, oh, it's a really great documentary. I think you'll like it. I was like, okay, where would I check this out? She said, it's on Netflix. I was like, okay. So that night I went home and I checked out Fork Silver Knives. And uh, my reaction was awesome. I wish like there was a video camera on my face. <laughs> I was like, my jaw dropped as I was looking at, you know, when Dr. Isselstein was talking about coronary artery disease reversal. And then as you know, in medical school and in residency, we were taught that you can't reverse coronary artery disease. And you know, once you have it, you have it, you you know, good luck, take some statins, take some aspirin, take this and that, this and that, like 50 medicines and uh, good luck. And I thought, oh my God, what is this? Like, I, I've never heard of this. And I was so enlightened. I was so motivated that I was like, not only am I gonna eat a whole food plant-based diet, this is going to change my patient's life. I was so motivated that as of that day, I was like, I'm going to spread the news because, um, you know, I was changing my habits for moral reasons. But as a physician, I never thought that I should talk about moral reasons in the clinic. But now it was like, wait a minute, not only am I not helping the animals, it's like, not only am I helping the animals, it's like, I'm making people healthier by the minute by teaching them this method of reversing diabetes, reversing cholesterol and hypertension and obesity and all of that. So I was so excited. I couldn't, I could hardly wait. And ever since then, every single day. I don't think there's a day that goes by that I don't recommend uh, to my patients to watch Forks Over Knives, and the new one, What the Health, and, uh, you know, and uh, there's not one single day that goes by that I don't help my patients convert to a whole H- plant based diet and to try to reverse their disease. So I think that eczema and all those illnesses that I had in the past uh, was quite possibly the best thing that could have happened to me um, because it motivated me to help people. Because um, now going back to my story, I stopped eating dairy, right? Because I'd already stopped eating meat, but I stopped eating dairy and suddenly these miraculous things happened. Within a week, just about a week, that's all it took, my ex went away. The scars were still there But there was no more itching. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm not using my Benadryl for, like, a few days now. Is this weird or what? So I was like, oh, it's just random, right? I didn't believe it. I was like, a month passed by, and the tube of corticosteroids were sitting in my um, bathroom uh, thing, and and I hadn't used it. After a month, I was like, oh, my God, could this have been the dairy? Because that's the only thing that I had to, like, give up, right? Wow. uh, so my eczema cleared 100%, my sinuses got better, and my quote-unquote chronic fatigue and depression went away. And uh, I knew I was onto something, cause I was like, I'm gonna help so many people now, because now I know. Um, the other things that happened is I checked my cholesterol, my cholesterol, my total cholesterol was way over 200, it went down to like 160, okay? So it was all the dairy that I was eating that was causing my cholesterol to go um, to go up. And another thing that happened is, I've been working out my whole life. Like, you know, whether uh, in high school I was a swimmer, then I was an ice skater, I was uh, always a gym buff, I was always at the gym working out, but I never saw results, you know? It was just like, I was like looked like this chubby girl. And uh, I wasn't really confident about the way I looked. And uh, so, uh, uh, one day, I'm like, I looked around and I had better abs than the trainers. I was like, whoa! <laughs> I was like, man, I'm like stronger than these trainers that we're training. This is fantastic. And this guy goes, You look like a fitness model. I'm like, Wow, thank you for a chubby girl who like transformed my body to look like a fitness model as a nerdy doctor I was like, This is the best compliment in my life. I was so happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was it was it was incredible. I got so motivated because my um uh, my game at the gym was getting stronger, my recovery time was getting shorter and I was I, I've been on fire since then. My nine-year-old can't keep up with me because I have so much energy. I mean it's incredible. I can't tell you how many good things have happened in my life. I mean, it's just incredible. So for who, whoever's uh, listening, if you have any health problems and if you're tired, uh, trust me on this. You have to give, the, give this diet a chance and you will see some incredible things happen.
0: Wow, that's incredible. So how long ago was this?
1: So I went vegetarian about 15 years ago. However, I didn't go whole food plant-based until uh, May of 2014 at that seminar.
0: So literally that short period of time, your entire life has changed in a matter of weeks to months. And now you're just, you're a whole different person, a whole different way of looking at treating patients. And it's highly, it's highly addictive.
1: so amazing because, you know, as you know, you and I as uh, conventional medical doctors, we have all kinds of pills that we can play with, but how many times did you find yourself all sad because you're like, wow, every time this patient comes in, um, I'm just needing to add get one more medicine to help them and um, you know, as you know, when people are on all of these cholesterol medicines and blood pressure medicines, it, you can never get it perfect. And you'll see liver enzymes go up. And um, and you know, I was studying uh, statistics about uh, stents and how they don't really reduce your risk of a heart attack by that much. Anyways, like twenty percent risk reduction. So, no matter how you look at it, these medicines can never do what a whole food plant based diet can do to treat the problem from the underlying cause. When you're putting animal fat, when you're putting saturated fat in your body, you can't reverse, you cannot prevent uh, the disease by just taking a pill because the damage is so much bigger than the benefits you could get from drugs. And that doesn't even include the side effects that you can get. Uh, so, and, and that doesn't help the gut bacteria. So you could take medicines and you could fix the blood tests, sure, if that makes you feel better, but it doesn't mean you're healthy and it doesn't mean that your gut bacteria is not affected by the bad foods.
0: Right. And so that, that's a whole nother discussion is tell us, you know, are the important things that the gut bacteria actually do? I mean, that's such a thing that we're just now beginning to understand, at least from a primary care you know, physician standpoint. What would you suggest that we need to know about the gut bacteria and the microbiota that actually help us with our health?
1: It's all about the gut. I could be partial, but... <laughs> well, you know, uh, Lori, the way I explain it to my patients, and I know a lot of doctors are listening, but I'm just gonna simplify it because I like to make things simple for me, and I'm just gonna um, describe it like I describe it in my clinic. The gut, back, there are trillions and trillions of uh, bacteria, or not just bacteria, microbiome living inside our bodies from mouth to anus. Um, What you have to remember is there's more genetics carried by the macrobacterium than your entire cells combined in the body. So these little guys play a huge role in um, your health. And if you look at it, if you kind of just try to simplify it in your brain, uh, what I call is the good guys and the bad guys. Uh, There are good gut bacteria and then there are bad gut bacteria. The good guys thrive on eating fiber. Right When you eat fiber, the good guys thrive, and they populate, and and they grow, and um, uh, they prosper. Um, When you eat, quote-unquote, bad foods, or when you eat a standard American diet, such as uh, fatty foods and acidic foods full of meat, what you're doing is you're feeding the bad guys, the bacterioides, which are the inflammatory types. So your diet is everything because the first uh, these bacteria or these microbiome are the first um, line that basically um, get this the the type of nutrition that you're getting. So they're affected by it. Um, There are studies, there are rat studies that show that when you eat saturated fat, within a few hours, the bacteroides type um, become so much more uh, predominant, and the the quote unquote, good guys are basically almost non-existent in the gut. So it's within a few hours of eating saturated fat or um, mostly animal fat. Um, So that sets off inflammation and that sets off um, hardening of the arteries within um, hours. And so then it increases your, um, you know, cholesterol, of course. But, you know, then you can take the pills, but that's fixing the cholesterol. That's not fixing the damage that was already done as as you ate that food. Uh, So, you know, in this country, as we've become a proteinaholics and worry so much about our protein, what has happened is the fiber intake has gone down. Um, The USDA is now recommending at least 30 uh, uh, 15 to 30 grams of uh, fiber per day um, and of, of course as a whole food plant based uh, lifestyle I get like 70 to 100 grams because that's what's healthy but it, most Americans are not even getting 15 grams per day so you can see how the gut bacteria is affected um, and the majority of Americans are getting so little fiber that they're full of inflammation because they're, what they're doing, doing is they're feeding the, the inflammatory gut bacteria or the bacterioides so there 's no wonder there 's so much disease, and the awareness for fiber is so low in this country. Nobody cares about fiber and they 're all worried about their protein and As you know, no one in this country has ever died of protein deficiency okay i 'm exaggerating maybe one person but but you you see we 're all like we 're getting way too much protein, and i 'm saying that as a fitness competitor and a fitness weightlifter. I power lift. I'm I'm very fitnessy. So you know, and I I can beat most guys in my push up game. Okay, let me just put that bragging thing bragging right in there. But um, what I'm saying is, you know, I'm a very strong person. But I could ne- I could care less how much protein I'm. I never even look at my protein content. You know, um, if I were to count, I could. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Can you hear me? I yeah. think I lost reception. Give me one second. I'm gonna get my charger really quick. So sorry. As, a, as a, an avid fitness enthusiast and as a, um, as a, a health uh, a doctor who's interested in health, I, I could care less about my protein. I never count my protein. Yet every single person I ever meet, including my mom and dad, they always wonder, um, you know, how much protein should I get? And uh, where do you get your protein and things like that? So I guess my message here is don't worry about protein because you get very, very minimal amounts of protein in your diet. And the whole entire nation needs to start focusing less on protein and more on fiber because fiber is the magic bullet that travels through the gut and feeds the good gut bacteria. Um, which are responsible for producing what? Hormones. Most people don't know this, but 90% of serotonin, the feel-good hormone that your body needs is actually produced by the gut, okay? So, you you know, you are what you eat. If you're eating junk, processed food, refined sugars and saturated fat and uh, meat and dairy, you are feeding the bad guys, which produce inflammation, chronic fatigue, joint problems, hardening of the arteries. Um, I mean, I can go on and on, right, diabetes. Um, And if you're eating fiber, what you're doing is you're feeding the good guys that are anti-inflammatory, that produce feel-good hormones, so no wonder I was depressed, right? I didn't know this back then, but now I know that it was my diet. So um, I guess going back, I just want to emphasize, stop worrying about your protein. And actually, if you're going to worry about any macronutrient, worry about your fiber. (laughs) Because fiber carries micronutrients. You know, when you eat fresh fruits and vegetables, you're getting micronutrients. And um, most people don't even worry about the micronutrients, but a lot of us are vitamin C deficient. So that's why a lot of people have a poor immune system. And, uh, and that's because we're not eating green leafy vegetables and fruits. And as these uh, fat diets come around, low carb, ketosis and things like that, people are not getting enough micronutrients. So anyway, um, sorry to go on and on about this, but I'm very passionate about fiber, as you can
0: tell. I <laughs> know, I think it's, it's absolutely fabulous. And so some people though, we hear the word fiber and they think they can just take a pill, right? Or they can put some powder. But it's so different, right? Because you, what you describe exactly is that that fiber carries with it the phytonutrients that we're so desperately needing to yes. make sure everything's working well. Can you describe what actually fiber is? Because I think there is some confusion as to what actually fiber does or what it is exactly.
1: So uh, the fiber is actually a type of carbohydrate. So that's why it drives me crazy when people say, I want to I eat a low-carb diet. Well, um, don't do that. (laughs) It's actually a a macronutrient that is, uh, there's two types, soluble and insoluble. Don't worry about that. I even, like, sometimes if you ask me, well, is this one soluble or insoluble? I'm like, I don't care. I eat it all, you know. Um, So when you look under carbohydrates, um, it, it it says fiber and then it says sugar. What you wanna do is, is try to figure out what has the most amount of fiber and the least amount of sugar, right? So if you have, for example, if you pick up some pasta, okay, there's some, um, there's, there's uh, if you pick up lentil pasta, for example, um, I was giving it to my son the other day, and someone said, oh, isn't that a lot of carbs? I was like, ah, oh, let me show you something. This is not a refined carb. This is a lentil pasta. So if you look over here, there's like a bunch of fiber in here and very little sugar, right? So that's good for you. So when you look at car- uh, carbohydrates, remember that um, carbohydrates can be good for you if it's a fiber type of carbohydrate. Um, fiber basically um, is is um, it, it's found in plants, or vegetables, uh, fruits, nuts, seeds, and um, uh, legumes, and grains, okay. So um, basically, um, it feeds the good bacteria, of course, as I mentioned, and um, it also uh, uh, works like an, as a stimulant of the gut, and uh, the details and the pathophysiology of that is being worked out, but somehow it's a stim- It stimulates the gut to have um, regular bowel movements. It lowers the cholesterol. Um, fiber also, um, like like I mentioned, is usually comes with along with um, micronutrients that slowly get absorbed through the gut as as the fiber travels through. Fiber can also act as an osmotic. Um, sort of a thing, if I may say so like that, because the the insoluble fiber carries a lot of water with it into the colon, so if you don't have enough fiber, you get very constipated because um, you need, um, through osmosis, some of the water that you're drinking to end up into the colon um, to uh, give hydration to the stool. So that's why a lot of people drink tons of water and they're still constipated. It's because they're not eating enough fiber. That water, about, if you drank 11 liters of water, all of it gets absorbed into the small bowel. Very little, maybe a couple of hundred cc's will end up in the colon unless you're, you're drinking that uh, water with uh, uh, foods that have fiber in it. In that case, that fiber will carry the uh, water into the colon. Then, um, so that's for people who have constipation. There are people who have diarrhea, who have unhealthy bowel habits because uh, they're not getting enough fiber. Fiber is one of those magical um, ingredients that actually works not only as a constipation um, uh, medicine, but it also works as a diarrhea medicine because it bulks the stool. Why? Because a lot of your stool is actually made out of the bacteria, right? Your over like 80% of your stool is bacteria. So when you're eating all this fiber, it's feeding the bacteria. And so that's how you, you bulk the stool. So it basically, if I were to uh, say one thing about fiber, um, it's, it's the regulator of the GI tract. Hmm.
0: Okay, so that makes sense. So now you have someone who has really severe GI issues outside of irritable bowel and that stuff. But like, let's say inflammatory bowel disease, ulcerative colitis and Crohn's. So people will tell you food has nothing to do with this. There's nothing that can make this better, except medications, it's genetics. But I know people, I have multiple people who have, you know, put their Crohn's and ulcerative colitis in remission eating a whole food plant-based diet. So what do you say to someone who says food has nothing to do, I've actually had someone say to me, food has nothing to do with any autoimmune disease. I said, this person is completely ignorant. So outside of that. But what, what do you say to someone who yes. says that, like, the food has nothing to do with these inflammatory bowel diseases? Oh, can you hear me? Uh, yes, uh, you're, you were a little
1: bit muffled, but can you hear me?
0: Yeah, I can hear you.
1: Okay, so yeah, absolutely, food has a lot to do with it. I mean, when you look at the studies, um, inflammatory bowel disease uh, is multifactorial, yes there are some genetic components, you have to have the genetic for it, for it to actually occur as an acute inflammation at sometime in your life. But the question is, You know, there are some people who have the genetic, but they never have the manifestations of the disease. And so why is it that certain people actually end up with Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, and some people don't, despite that both groups have the genetics? So I think most of the reasons people actually end up having acute inflammation is uh, environmental causes. So they have the genetics, and then the environmental causes is basically what they're eating. It's the food they're eating. We know that... uh, The cause of, um, for example, if you study ulcerative colitis, the gut bacteria imbalance and uh, the inflammation comes from the bacteriodes types or the bad guys that sets off inflammation, and what happens is it, it becomes like an, um, basically an inflammatory chain reaction where the T cells get activated, these uh, white cells get activated, and they produce all kinds of inflammatory products. Uh, somehow the body's like, oh, that colon is born, and, and it, it attacks the colon. So that, that becomes an autoimmune reaction, and it just doesn't know where to stop because there's inflammation that's recurring, and, and the body keeps reacting. So that's why it becomes a chronic inflammation. Uh, historically, we have put people on medicines like prednisone and um, some um, very strong medicines that actually um, stop this chain reaction. But we've never really been able to treat diseases and put them in remission uh, with anything other than um, all of these strong medicines that are supposed to take away the inflammation. Um, recently, um, when I learned about the pap- physiology and, and how the gut bacteria has a lot to do with ulcerative uh, sort of colitis, I thought, huh, well, why don't I just put my patients on a whole food plant-based diet and see what happens? And I can tell you in um, one instance, for example, this lady who had colitis, meaning head, uh, from the cecum all the way to the rectum, she had inflammation, the entire colon. Um, she went on a whole, whole food plant-based diet. She uh, They came back and and instead of having 15 to 20 bloody bowel movements a day, she was reporting that she was actually uh, totally fine and she was uh, not having any symptoms at all. And uh, this woman, just by eating a whole food plant-based diet, but she went... Now, let me tell you, she went whole food plant-based overnight. She didn't cheat at all. No dairy, uh, no meat. And she basically ate a very alkaline diet and full of fiber. And so basically she literally put herself in remission. Um, I have another patient with Crohn's disease. Um, He's a really, really nice guy. And and he came to me and he has um, several complications of Crohn's disease, really severe disease. And he told me that, uh, you know, I don't want to go on these um, heavy duty medicines. And uh, based uh, on our knowledge, um, you know, when people's uh, Crohn's is that severe, you actually tend, as a doctor, you have to offer the heavy-duty medicines because uh, the whole food plant-based diet is, is, hasn't been as tested in, in patients with so many manifestations of the disease. So I said, well, you know, um, I wouldn't want to take medicines either. And this is what I would do. I, I, you, you're more than welcome to go on the, uh, all these medicines. But if I were you, I would go on a whole food plant-based diet for like two to three months. I'll, I'll give you prednisone to help you. Um, and uh, then you stay on a whole food plant based diet, and maybe you won't need these heavy duty medicines. He he agreed. So um, we helped him. I helped him a little bit with the prednisone, and and you know he ate a whole food plant based diet. He was doing fantastic. Um, he basically went into remission, stayed in remission. One day he was visiting his family in uh, in Korea. And he said, you know, doc, I just got, um, you know, I got, you know, I had these temptations for how to have Korean barbecue, and I, I went for it, and I had it, and he came back with a full flare-up. Wow. So, I mean, this guy was one of those examples of someone who says, oh, maybe this was a coincidence, you know, maybe this whole food pan-based diet, uh, you know, is not the reason I got better. Maybe it was the prednisone. So when he went um, whole food plant-based diet, um, you know, again, his disease cleared. And he's one of those people who kind of cheats once in a while still. And it's like really clear. As soon as he cheats, he'll have a flare up. So, um, you know, so so those people who say that inflammatory bowel disease can't be uh, cured with a whole food plant-based diet, I tell, I tell them, well, perhaps we need some more studies. But if I were to come down with... Uh, Crohn's disease or all sorts of colitis, which will probably never happen because of my diet. But if that would happen, I would go on a whole food plant based diet and I would not use any medicines. And I could put myself into remission with a perfectly um, healthy diet full of fiber and uh, very low fat. And, um, you know, I guarantee that if we were to do studies, double blind uh, control studies, that would be proven for sure.
0: Yeah. Exactly. It makes so much sense too. I mean, that the surface area of the gut, I mean, it must be tremendous with all the villi and everything. I mean, how much you're being exposed to your outside environment by just eating. I mean, it's, it's tremendous. So I I agree. I can't wait to post this. I can't wait. It's gonna be a great interview. Um, One other question though. So we have well, I have lots of other questions, but we, this one in particular, I seem to get recurring. I have people who transition to the whole food plant-based diet. They do great for a bit, but then they start getting really gassy and then they get bloating and they're really uncomfortable. What do you say to those individuals or what is the cause? What can we do to help them you know, move along and kind of get over those type of symptoms?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. I'm, just, I'm so glad you asked that. Uh, so uh, Basically... Um fiber um, is digested by the gut bacteria, right? So when you eat, um, when, you, um, when you don't have the gut bacteria population oh. to digest that food, you get bloated because, uh, so let me go back. So what do you think causes gas in the bowel, right? Bloating comes from gas in the bowel. So when you breathe air, you take a deep breath, it goes into your lungs. It doesn't go into your gut, right? So studies show maybe you swallow, I don't know, about 10 cc's of air per day, but that doesn't account for all that significant bloating people get. So then you would think, well, where is that bloating coming from? Well, it's those little guys, the guts the that process the food, and they release gas, methane gas, which what makes uh, flatulence smell bad. Um, that's how you get burping. That's how you get CO2 and all kinds of gases in the, in the gut. Okay. Having said that, um, when you have excessive bloating, that means there's some kind of a maldigestion happening. Okay. Something's not getting digested well, or you don't have the quote unquote equipment to digest that food. Okay. In case of people who get bloated when they look at beans, when they tell, tell me, you know what? I look at beans and I get bloated. I'm like, fantastic. You should eat more of it. (laughs) (laughs) That <laughs> <laughs> time there are tests where you can blow in this device and it tells you oh you have small bowel intestinal bacterial overgrowth blah 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 i just tell them how much beans can you eat without getting bloated i mean that's exactly a good sign because beans have a lot of fiber so as soon as they eat beans I go, and no no i can't eat beans so in the old days uh mistakenly and still this is going on Uh, people used to do things like the FODMAP diet, okay? The FODMAP diet is like an elimination diet where you just look at a big list of ingredients, like especially fruits and vegetables that cause bloating, and you eliminate all of it, okay? So all you're left with is meat, okay? So the bloating does go away initially. Of course it goes away because you've eliminated all these foods that you couldn't digest in the first place and your bloating goes away, but that's a bad idea because all you're doing is feeding more of the bad guys gut bacteria and not getting enough of the good gut bacteria. So yes, initially it's gonna be painful. Okay, I agree. You have to start eating, actually going exactly the opposite way. And you, oh, by the way, going back, the only thing I like about the FODMAP diet, it says eliminate dairy. That I don't disagree with, okay? But everything is all the fruits and vegetables it asks you to to avoid, don't do it. So what you wanna do is actually slowly do the opposite, slowly add fiber to your diet. The way I tell people, I'm like, look, there's no, it's not rocket science here. You just add about five grams per week or more if you can tolerate. I mean, everyone's different. Some people can have half a can of beans and not get bloated. Some people have to have like three pieces of beans to get bloated. So it's just different. But if you add about, I don't know, five, 10 grams per week and slowly start increasing these foods in your diet, then that eliminates the bloating. The way I did it, I went plant based overnight, and I thought, all right, I don't care. It just kind of was a little bit uncomfortable at the beginning, but, you know, it just, it, I got healthier and healthier by the minute to a point where, you know, I brag to my patients, I'm like, I can eat three cans of beans and not get bloated now, so.
0: <laughs> here. I love beans. Oh, my goodness. Too, yes. So you basically tell them just keep eating more fiber, and how long does that typically take for those symptoms to abate? Interestingly, uh, everyone's different. I think, you know,
1: I don't know, I've seen people three to nine months, it's just Mm. so, and you always have to uh, count also, look, if someone's 100% whole food, BAM-based diet, and they're never cheating, and they're not eating any saturated fat, and they're actually the really healthy vegan people, um, you know, I mean, I, I, must, I must admit, I even sometimes fry my food in coconut oil, and that has saturated fat. Sorry, my um, so if, as long as you're eating zero fat, your gut bacteria is doing fantastic, you're always on a roll and doing fantastic, then that bloating can go away within um, a few weeks to a month. But, you know, if you eat anything fried, and, you know, it's almost impossible not to get any fats in your diet, but if, you, like, say one day you eat uh, too much fat, you're still going to get a little bit of an increase in your bad gut bacteria. And maybe for the next couple of days, you're going to get bloated. So it just depends on how perfect you are. Mm. You know, if the Forks Over Nights diet, you probably sh- would be fine uh, within several weeks or months. And you never have to worry about the bloating. But, but th- that would mean that you'd have to follow that every single day. No cheating.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. So then... When people, let's say they've been well and they're doing fine, and then suddenly they get, let's say, constipated, they say they're you know, 100% whole food plant-based, no cheating, but then they get either constipated or they start having bloating that suddenly like came out of nowhere. What do you think that is typically? Is there somewhere that they could start investigating, or do they, should they start looking at food sensitivities or, or what exactly?
1: Well, people who get constipated when they go whole food plant-based, they're lactose intolerant. Okay, so that's my experience. So when, um, when patients are highly lactose intolerant, I ask them to avoid um, dairy and go whole food plant-based. They always come back and they're like, oh my God, now I have to take laxatives. I mean, I have people who tell me like, I used to work in a town called Poplar Bluff, Missouri, and it was two and a half hours uh, south of St. Louis. And they said, Doc, I know every bathroom from here to St. Louis. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. Okay, well, uh, give me one month of your life and you're gonna be fixed and actually one of the pharmacists over there was telling me this I said uh give him one month and she said oh you seem so confident I'm like well yeah uh, you're gonna really be fine and she's like what well, I have like 20 vitamins a day you know there's no way I'm like I uh, trust me so she gave up all dairy she came back and she was totally constipated okay so um at that point uh well now she was highly lactose intolerant right but she was still eating meat
0: mm-hmm. so
1: people eat um, a lot of dairy and meat, um, they have to realize that that meat is going to constipate them. The only reason people who are eating meat are not constipated is because uh, they're lactose intolerant. You know, when you eat eat a lot of meat, which is supposed to constipate you, there's zero fiber in meat. Just remember, it's like the unhealthiest food you can eat because when you eat something, remember, it has to have a lot of fiber, which you shouldn't even put in your mouth. So meat has zero fiber. So when you eat meat, you're gonna get constipated unless you're drinking milk and eating um, uh, products that have lactose in it. It's sugar that our body is not designed to digest at, at this age. So then you get diarrhea. So that's the only reason, um, you know, your body can actually have bowel movements. Um, so when you give up the dairy, you would get constipated unless you're uh, eating tons of uh, vegetables and, or give up the meat, okay? Then that's a good balance. Um, For someone who is basically, they they go overnight, whole food plant-based, it's very, very rare that they would have constipation unless it's just their gut bacteria needs building. Mm. And stick to it and just, um, at first, I would say take some um, Miralax or some kind of an osmotic laxative to help you. And within six to nine months, um, they should get better. Um, however, I also have to emphasize on uh, the importance of hypothyroidism in patients. Um, hypothyroidism is very common, and there are now studies that are coming out that show that the thyroid gland is affected by the acidity, acid foods that we're eating, meat and dairy. So um, that's why um, when I check people's T3, i study aging medicine, and so typical conventional medicine has taught you to look at T4 and, and TSH. Well, I have found that in my practice, based on the anti-aging medicine that I've studied, that if the free T3 is below three, this is the free T3. People cannot have bowel movements on their own. And so a lot of these people end up on medicine, right? Um, and so even if they're eating a switch to a whole food plant-based diet, they can't have bowel movements on their own. And so when I fix the thyroid, suddenly they're fine because thyroid plays an important function in, um, in, in your bowel habits. So don't blame the food. You, your doctor has to check free T3 and make sure that it's, it's about 3.5 and above. If it's 2.7, which I find commonly in meat eaters and uh, uh, people who eat the standard American diet, you're not able to have a bowel movement on your own, um, unless you're eating dairy, which gives you lactose intolerance. I know it can get really twisted, but to make a long story short, if you go whole food plant-based and you have a lot of fiber in your diet and you're still not having good bowel movements, um, make sure that you check your thyroid and stick to the diet because your digestive system takes a few months to
0: regulate Absolutely. Well, I've been hypothyroid for 21 years, and so um, I'm, that's kind of a special area that I'm super interested in. What's interesting was I grew up always constipated, right, and had GI issues like irritable bowel stuff. Until you know, I got older, and I ate less dairy. That seems to help. But when my went to a whole food plant based diet, my thyroid dosage actually dropped. I'm only on levothyroxine, but I've also found there are certain people, just like you described. I started checking T3 early on in my career, just because there are a few individuals I would give levothyroxine, and their symptoms would not improve. They just were not converting that T4 to T3, and so I, that's where the Armour thyroid came in, or you know, doing the Um, because I needed that T3 and T4 and balancing. It was really interesting to see those differences, but you're exactly right. The T3 is very important to measure. And so coming from someone, yeah, my son actually, when I was pregnant with uh, Jonathan, who's 21 now, he actually was born hypothyroid. His test came back that he was hypothyroid. Two weeks later, we checked it. He was okay. Um, I was later on diagnosed about two months later with the hypothyroidism. So my antibodies had actually attacked him. And he's my one kid that ended up developing He's my one kid that actually ended up developing um, learning disabilities. So, you know, he's done fabulous now, but he's also had to deal with, um, you know, dyslexia and some other things, which is really common. So, food is—it's—it's it's got so many repercussions, not only for my health but my kiddo's health. His long-term, you know, I feel disability with having, you know, having to deal with uh, dyslexia and having to work harder. And there's just so many ramifications that we don't understand. That just because how I was eating growing up. When I was pregnant, and then the lifelong struggle that he had to have—I mean, he's overcome it significantly, done fabulous. But yeah. I, you know, I, I just I can't I can't you know tell people enough how important it is to eat this diet, and they don't understand why I get so excited like you do. Yeah. It's-
1: Especially moms who are listening, we we have a responsibility towards our children, future children. So um, you know, if you're not eating a um, if you're eating meat and dairy, you're basically uh, not giving your um, your future child the nutrients that the baby needs, and you're basically poisoning them uh, with uh, foods that could uh, cause harm to you, but to them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I see a lot of moms eating fish and, and um, breastfeeding, and they're transferring mercury into their babies, and we, we know that breast milk transfers mercury. So, you know, there's just so much when you're pregnant. So when people ask me, like, I wish, by the way, I wish I could turn back time because when I was pregnant with my son, I was a vegetarian and I wasn't a full um, whole food plant-based. And I would do anything to go back and be able to eat so clean. But I did what I knew. But now it's, it's interesting because I, I tell people, and they still do uh, – what they've been doing and it's, I think it's just lack of awareness and it's it's not um, the most popular idea right now and people just follow the masses but don't be one of those people. Do the, do your homework and read about it and, and make sure that you don't fall into the same trap as most Americans and um, absolutely. I mean um, I think I personally think that a lot of autism is linked to dairy um, inflammation that dairy causes. Um, I think, um, you know, you you literally, um, you know, and so people ask me, would well, you give your son a whole food plant-based diet? I'm like, well, of course I do. You know, I mean, they, they wonder if I'm afraid to do that for some reason, it's gonna stunt his growth. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, he's the one I love the most. I love him more than the entire world put together. So in fact, when it comes to my son, I'm actually even more adamant about him getting a whole food plant-based diet. My son, um, Probably, I don't know, I would say um, maybe he's had meat maybe once or twice uh, because when he's with his father, you know, he's, um, you know he, he would eat what they eat and when he was little and he didn't know the difference, um, he was tricked into eating meat and they told him these are vegetarian and so he, he, he ate it. But, um, you know, he um, basically, when he's with me, he eats a whole family, based diet 100%. Um, When he's with his dad, I don't have 100% control over that. So they'll sneak some dairy into his diet. It makes me very sad. But um, unfortunately, you know, there's a lot, um, you know, people don't know. People, um, there's, the awareness is low. And that's why you and I, Lori, are doing what we're doing, right? Right. So one day, um, uh, moms and, and, uh, you know, dads, they realize how bad this dairy and meat is for their kids, and they stop feeding their kids that.
0: Right. Absolutely. And, you know, there was some really interesting studies with autism and giving uh, children, well, actually they were older, they were 13 to in their early 20s with severe autism and gave them broccoli sprouts, really a high concentration. And what that happens is what is happening is they found in autism, children who had fevers had some remission of some of their symptoms because of the Things that are going on in the brain when you have a high fever, it produces certain, I guess, they're proteins or enzymes, something to decrease the inflammation. So what they found is that broccoli, with all of its ITCs and all these amazing anti-inflammatory things that they have, actually does the same thing as if you were to have a fever. So they gave these kids these, I don't know if they were capsules or I can't go back to look at the study. What they found is regression of symptoms. And, you know, there was this randomized, you know, double-blinded, controlled, whatever study. The thing was that with this RCT, because they had such profound improvements, they knew immediately who was getting the broccoli sprouts and who wasn't. And when they stopped them, they, they actually regressed and went back and started having the severity of the autism symptoms that they had before. So really interesting stuff. And I think that study came out Maybe two, three years ago, um, but it's also on uh, nutritionfacts.org. Dr. Gregor has some really good studies or videos on that whole information, but fascinating. You are exactly right. I just had a patient with
1: autism. I, that uh, reminds me to make sure I ask them to check check out the, the you know, org and or listen to your podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I would say three quarters to um, what do they say? I can't remember the equivalent, but the broccoli sprouts, but it wasn't like it was a tremendous amount to see some regression of those symptoms. I mean, they weren't obviously 100%, but they certainly were improved. So that was that was amazing. I do have a quick question about your fitness stuff. So what is a normal day for you when you're eating and working out? What For someone to aspire to be as in amazing shape as you are, what especially women in our 40s, right? Someone's like, oh, I'm premenopausal or I'm this or that. There's always these excuses. I've had so many children, but that's not the case. <laughs> so tell me, what is, you know, what, is it, what do you eat in a normal day, your exercise regimen, just kind of give us an idea?
1: Oh, sure. Okay, so I love fitness. Um, those of you um, who want to get into a fitness routine, I would say, you know, do what makes your uh, heart happy. Some people think oh I have to lift weights or I have to do yoga and you know it's not necessarily what type of workout you're doing it's just as long as you're doing something and you're moving and you're getting your heart rate up and engaging your muscles that's all you need and um you know if you have a good diet even a short duration of an exercise plan helps you know my secret like I look like I spend hours at the gym I mean when you look at my pictures I'm ripped right I mean I look muscular and i look um, like my body fat percentage is low um uh, but you know i don't i spend only 25 minutes uh to 30 minutes time at the gym so my secret is my diet you know you cannot outrun bad calories and you cannot have exercise bad calories so when you eat really poorly, what you're doing is you're basically, uh, you're, you're just putting all the bad calories into your body that converts to fat and you would have to like run 13 miles to get rid of it. So whenever uh, you're working out, my suggestion would be number one, to do something you love, but don't do it to burn out bad calories. I think um, fitness is important, but um, what I call it, the Dr. Angie trifecta, I think 80% is nutrition. Okay, so good diet is is the most important thing for health and for fitness. And um, if you're eating a whole plant based diet, it takes very, 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 very minimal amount of time at the gym to achieve incredible results. Mm-hmm. I'm a busy doctor. I run a practice. I'm involved in 50 different projects, I'm loving my life, having a great time, but I'm busy. I don't have time to spend an hour or two hours at the gym. I, um, I, I just get in and out. I put my timer on 25 minutes. And when it rings, I get the hell out of there because I don't really want to hang out over there. I love the gym, but I don't really want to hang out. I rather come home and see my baby. So what I would say is it's not how long you work out. It's the quality of the workout that matters and how much you love it and how much you're into it. So if it's walking, then walk. If it's uh, ballet, then do ballet. If it's basketball, then do basketball, whatever it is, it's just something that is sustainable, right? So I see people like doing these heroic workouts when they're 20s and 30s. Well, you know, you know the muscles may be able to handle all that, but the joints don't. So make sure whatever you're choosing is sustainable. Like that, I, can, I, I plan to be 105 years old with this diet that I'm eating. So I'm thinking, okay, what can I do at the gym that I could carry on when I'm 105? And uh, so I I figured weightlifting is the one for me. Number one, I love it. Uh, It's convenient. I could do it rain or shine. And uh, I can do just 25 minutes and I'm done. I'm like, okay, that's it. So I go every single day. Okay. And like I said, just 25 minutes. I listen to music. I get all into it. And um, um, I lift weights, and I'm not a hero at the gym. I just basically do what I can without trying to, without injuring myself. And everything I'm doing, I will be able to carry on in my old age, just less weight, right? Perhaps, mm-hmm. maybe not. Maybe I'll be the oddball who's, like, lifting heavier at age 105, but you never know. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's it. Uh, so it's just, it has to be, number one, sustainable. Uh, number two, uh, short duration so you don't, um, you know, give up. Um, if you have a New Year's resolution and you say, Oh, I'm going to work out two hours a day every day, and you've never done that, you know, most likely you're going to fail because, you know, you you don't, ha- there is a reason you weren't working out that long to begin with. That's unreasonable for most of us with jobs and kids, right? So be reasonable about the goals. Um, when I go to the gym, I, I separate, sorry about that. I had a call come in. Sorry about that. I try to uh, separate, I have a very bodybuilding attitude when it comes to uh, workouts, and that, that's not necessarily good or bad. It's just, I like the brain muscle connection, and I like to focus on one muscle at a time. So uh, like on Mondays, I would go to the gym and work out shoulders and abs. And that's my routine. And because I only have 25 minutes, I work out the shoulders and when it burns out, I go to the abs, no rest. And then I burn out the abs Then I go to shoulders and then abs, shoulder, abs, shoulder, abs, shoulder until 25 minutes and then I leave. Um, and uh, the next day I go, I do chest and biceps. I focus on those two muscle groups and I go back and forth, back and forth until I burn those out. And then I do back and triceps and then I do legs. And I do two days of legs, I do hamstrings, um, and quads and then I separate the glutes a little bit uh, just because uh, nowadays it's the fashion to work on the glutes <laughs> so I have a very bodybuilding attitude uh, towards it because I know I'm not going to get hurt doing weight lifting because I do it cautiously and I know a lot of a lot about anatomy and so it helps me to focus on each muscle group and build that mind-body connection uh, but yeah um, I would so fitness is great but um, if you want to look good don't Don't go to the gym. Don't go to the gym to lose weight and look good. Go to the gym to be strong, to maintain muscle mass, to get energy. Yeah, to look good too, but um, 80% of it is done in the kitchen, not at the gym. So that would be my um, advice to anyone who's listening.
0: That's perfect. And I would say you're actually right. Do something that you will continue to keep doing, right? So if that's weightlifting, if that's even calisthenics or running or walking, like you said, swimming, there's so many great activities that we can do and safely. And, uh, you know, I think I'm always impressed with people who do these ultra marathons and stuff, but I don't have fun training past a half marathon. I've done a full marathon, but it's just not fun. And I love running. Like I, I love running, but why, why would I run for four? That's just me. There may be others who do that stuff, but I just, as I, I think it's fabulous, but I just, I couldn't do it myself, but that's, Fantastic. So awesome. So if, we're, if someone is wanting to see you, you're in California, where should they go to say, hey, I need help with this. I need to go see Dr. Angie.
1: Sure. Um, the best way to come see me in my clinic, uh, go on my website to get the phone number to make an appointment, www.drangiehealth.com. Uh, so www.drangiehealth.com.
0: Dot com. And I'll right. put all the links too in the in the show notes, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh,
1: and my Instagram has my um, office information as well. And it's A-N-G-I-E dot
0: S-A-D-E-G-H-I. Great. And we'll also put those links too. So Dr. Andy Sadeghi, thank you so much for spending so much time with us. But I just want to ask one last question. Is there any advice that you could give to someone who's considering doing this, but they're still... Hinging, even though everything you just said was, I mean, a million reasons to do this. Was there, you know, or, or how to start? Is there any one little bit of advice that you've seen that just help people really just take off and do this?
1: Yes, I, um, you know, I understand that sometimes it can be hard because old habits are difficult to break. Even though sometimes you know what's right, it doesn't mean that it's easily, um, you can easily transition yourself out. Um, so what I would say is for those who can't do this overnight and they're, they're hesitant, they don't know what to eat or whatever um, the, the reason may be, start crowding out the bad stuff. okay? And I always categorize it for my patients. okay? Dairy is the biggest poison in my opinion. I don't know if there's studies done on dairy versus meat versus processed meat. I don't know. But I would say um, dairy is poison. Uh, stop eating dairy today. okay? So that's the first thing you should do. Um, give it a couple of months and then you're in your new routine of not eating dairy. Then what you want to do is give up processed meats because they're carcinogenic, right? So then, so all you're eating at this time is fish, steak, and chicken or whatever seafood you're eating. Um, then what you want to do is study... Um, helpful websites and help read helpful books. There are so many good books like Forks Overnights, Dr. Greger's um, How Not to Die. Um, tons and tons of recipes from really awesome altruistic nutritionists, dietitians, and uh, chefs who are just trying to help, right? They're putting wonderful recipes out there. Start getting into finding out how you could replace that meat with a wonderful ingredients like tempeh, uh, which has uh, equal amounts of protein to chicken, except it has good, uh, you know, it gives you good gut bacteria because it's fermented soy and, you know, it's healthy for you. Things like tofu, there are uh, Beyond Burger, Beyond Meat products out there you could substitute the meat with or don't even substitute at all. But I I understand it can can be difficult at first. But um, so you know, once you've given up the dairy and you're used to it, then you're giving up the processed meat, then you're giving up all the meat. But in the meanwhile, you're studying what you can replace um, into your diet. And so slowly transition into a whole food plant-based diet and slowly crowd out the bad stuff. um, And that may be helpful.
0: Cool. That's fabulous advice. Absolutely. Just bring in the good and eventually the bad will leave too. So fabulous. But I agree. I think dairy is by far the first thing people should eliminate by far, by far. Perfect. Well, thanks again for your time. And I am so thankful that you were willing to let me interview you. And I'm so excited to see where your future takes you.
1: Well, thank you, Lori. It was a pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate it. No problem.